Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. and welcome to Give Me Strength. I am so excited that we are elevating the podcast and finally bringing you some visuals to go along with the audio. And who better to have as one of my first interviews in this format, but my best friend, Lewis, who needs no introduction. <laughs> and what we felt was that for Valentine's or Galentine's or however you're choosing to kind of acknowledge the day of love this year, we would get together to have a little chat and I guess just appreciate friendship and love and all the things in between. So Lou, I can't believe I'm having on the podcast. First of all, this feels really awkward. It like, feels really oh weird. my God. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so nice as well because I feel like a lot of people really feel like they know you. Yeah. And I'm really excited to, I guess, talk a little bit more about our friendship because I show bits online, but it's actually nice for us to be able to like sit down and actually like talk about it in a formal way. <laughs> no pressure. Um, first, I thought we'd go into, because I think it will be really nice to talk about how we met. We've known each other for over 12 years now, I think it is, 11 or 12 years. And first of all, I'm really interested to hear how you think we met because I definitely have my version of events, but recollections may vary. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say Studio House. It was like, the first day where everyone's meeting everyone and didn't we have like a group uh, didn't we get into a group and like weren't people doing like dancing in, in a circle or am i waking that up you were sat in the splits no i wasn't was i actually you were rocking a box split was i yeah <laughs> and i remember walking in everyone was in the room in this like big dance studio by the way we were at dance college together so we met at a place called bird college which was where we both trained and everyone was in this room and I remember walking in, I was with a girl that I was living with and like we'd only known each other, like we'd only been at the college for like a few days before we had this like meet and greet or whatever. Oh. Cringe. <laughs> me butterflies thinking about it. It's like so nerve wracking going into that It's the worst day. thing ever. And I remember walking in and I looked at you straight away and you had this like, at the time actually you didn't have a curly mop of hair, you had straight no. hair. Short back and sides. Short back and sides. But you had this dark hair and you were sat, legs akimbo. <laughs> in a box split and I was like me that's who I want to be friends with I was like, that's my friend um and I yeah then we were in a group and I do remember from then on I think I was a bit of a fangirl of yours early on and this is like actually hilarious but I remember really early on we got put into the same basically Lewis and I were really bad at tap still um, are still <laughs> are lord knows how my first job was a tap job <laughs> but really bad at tap so we would we were graded via how good you were at tap and we were both really bad and so as a result we got put in the worst tap set Woohoo! Which, which is great and so we had classes together and I remember in our first kind of lunch break I was living in halls and Lewis was living in a house, in a house yeah. and I was desperate to come back to your house and I remember we came back and literally the first thing we did when we got back to yours and I'll never forget it, it was the fun I think I actually weed myself laughing 
because it was so funny. Lewis put on a pair of point shoes, which if you don't know, is a pair of like ballet shoes with a with a hard bit at the bottom, basically. I don't know why I had them. I don't know why you had them, but you did. They were hanging off the end of your bed like the true dance student that you were. (laughs) Pair of bloody point shoes. And you put them on and you basically climbed onto a tree stump in your garden and did us a performance. And I've still got the videos to this day. I will share them alongside this day. No, don't you dare. (laughs) Don't you dare. But I think what's really nice and one of the things that I love about our friendship is that um, you knew me before I had this career and before any of this. So like we really made a friendship off just being two really hungry performers who wanted to succeed in a really tough industry. So from your perspective, I'd love to hear, not to massage my ego at all, but (laughs) what drew us together as friends? I don't know. I'd say we're both really passionate. I'd say we both had a lot of drive. We wanted to make it in the industry. It was so tough. I think we connected. I mean, you had an amazing voice and you have like such sparkly eyes. And I just remember thinking, oh my God, this girl's amazing. (laughs) And I started dance really late, started at 18. Um, So I was behind dancing. And I think we connected through our lack of confidence at the beginning. Mm. We were really fangirling each other and like pushed each other. I think being in the lowest tap set as well, like you had a bit more drive than everyone else. I feel like that. I feel like there was something between you and I that we felt, I definitely felt this, that like dance was not my strong suit when I went to Bird and it's a very dance heavy college. And I remember like, God, from the first day. Do you remember that tap? They, they, How they graded us in tap sets is that you had to line up and you had to do a tap combination oh. one by one from the corner in front of all these people I'd that you've never, never met before. On. I I'd literally, it was, it was mortifying. And I actually think I remember just like flapping my feet around and hoping <laughs> for the best as per you did as well. I remember Mr. French getting up and being like, gaggedy, 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 gag. <laughs> and I was like, what on earth is going on? <laughs> I'd never put tap shoes on. I was just watching everyone go across the floor and I was thinking, fucking hell, it's my turn next, it's my turn next. Really wide feet, like what the hell is going on? It was just, it was awful. Awful. A a humbling experience to say the least. But I do think that I agree with you. Both of us saw in each other this like not being the best and not wanting to be the best either because there are some people in there that were like, Oh. 20 years of dance under my belt. I mean, no, like I loved our year. So this, that wasn't like a, yeah, sh- no, that wasn't a shade think, to anyone, but there no. were people that were really, really good. People were like, really- Even my best friend, like one of our best friends, Emily Potter, like a phenomenal tapper. Yeah. And I just remember Emily being like, and I was like, oh God, I'm terrible. But I do think that what we saw in each other was like a hungriness. It's nice being a bit of an underdog sometimes. And I think we definitely saw that in each other and that we felt the same kind of- 100%. Drive to want to be better. And that continues, you know, like one of my favorite things about you as a friend is that you're such a grafter. Like I love that about you. And even to this day, like you graft- And you. Like consistently. And I think- you know, that's a very endearing quality. I think one of the things that I am very protective of you over is, you know, like particularly in those early days as well, your sexuality and and that being, you know, albeit that we were in an environment that is very accepting of being gay. The wider world definitely wasn't at a point where it is now. And I remember that, you know, I came from a very sheltered background where I hadn't had any gay friends up to that point. And I think when I met you, it was really an eye-opening experience to understand that, you know, the world outside our very protective bubble at Bird wasn't one that was 
as welcoming to you as it was no. to me. Yeah. And I remember very distinctly some really difficult challenges that we went through, well, you went through and I, I witnessed, um, you know, that I just found to be really, I guess um, it just opened my eyes to the fact that your world was more challenging and, and, and you faced more challenges as a result of who you were yeah. and through no fault of your own. And I think one of the things that I'd love to hear from you about is really your journey to, I guess, coming out and talking about and being very open about being gay. Because I know that when we spoke about it and we haven't actually spoken about it that much, but I remember when I asked you about it, you said that you knew from a very young age that you were gay and yeah. it was something that you were always quite aware of, but that it wasn't something that you were maybe in a position to talk about for a long time. Yeah. I know I'm going to get emotional. No, I, you asked if you were going to get emotional. I was like, no! <laughs> I think um, for a long time, I knew what's going to happen. Should I get you a tissue? Um, I think for a long time I knew that something was wrong, something wasn't right. And I think I grew up in a society where it wasn't showcased what it was like to be gay. I remember sitting a lot, a lot, a, a lot of time on the sofa and like a gay scene would come up on television and I would like almost wince. I would die and I'd feel like everyone would be looking at me. And I just knew that I, w I could relate to it, yeah. but I knew it wasn't right. Mm. And I knew for a long time that, you know, a part of me, I, I didn't, I, I had a girlfriend, poor Hannah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I used to, um, I used to do her hair. <laughs> I used to straighten her hair and everything. Oh my God. My parents are, are hairdressers. And so like I was <laughs> I brought love, up in that world. Um, I'd love Paddy to do my hair. <laughs> <laughs> I um, yeah, for a long time, I just... I, I knew I was slightly different, but I couldn't work out why. And I remember actually being at school and they doing an assembly about being gay and being slightly different. And once again, I was sat there and I was like, oh my God, this is, I could feel the heat. And you know, that like feeling of like stress ro rising up. And I was like, oh no, this is, this is about me. Everyone's looking at me. And I could feel like the differences. I wanted to play netball. I didn't want to play like football. And do you know what? My teachers were actually really good. They allowed me to play netball. They knew like they could see. And I think, a teacher come up to me once they'd done that assembly and she was like, how do you think that went? And I was like, oh God, she's aiming at me again. Mm. And I thought it was really good. And I, I brushed it off and I was mm. like, I feel like everyone was staring at me. Mm. I feel like my school was really supportive and they could see they could see the, the gay people within, mm. within, the, um, within our school. And there was a few gay teachers that were openly gay, mm. which was amazing. Um, and that helped. Um, but yeah, definitely growing up was hard because there wasn't a much exposure into how to come out gay. And there wasn't like books and television programs about being gay. So we had computers and I got onto this this um, this website. I don't know how I found it called Lads Lads. <laughs> Love it. And so I'd log on and which was terrifying because it was a family computer. And I used to go through and like chat to guys and then I found this guy who was turned out to be my first boyfriend. And we met up in Blue Water and we went to cinema together and we really liked each other. We actually recently saw each other last year at Gay Pride. I hadn't seen him. We, we dated for a year and then we split up. He um, cheated on me with a girl. I know, terrifying. Only kissed, but at the time that was my world broken. Oh, no. <laughs> no, he was actually in the closet, so he wasn't openly gay. 
and that's really hard. And like, he was on a, a lad's holiday and I feel like he was pushed into... Yeah, yeah. So he, I do not blame him at all. And, yeah. and if he did that now, I wouldn't even care. But yeah, I met this guy called Corbin and and we dated and we started dating each other and we'd meet up and he'd come around mine. And for a long period of time, um, he would just come around the house and then it would turn into sleepovers. And then like, I'd go to his... His parents weren't very accepting of him being gay. Um, but then my dad come up to me and he was like, I, I'd, I'd like to um, speak to you tonight. And once again, like the world around me like crushed. I just wanted to dig myself in a big hole and, and go. Because um, at the time your relationship with, with your dad wasn't amazing. I'd, yeah, it was okay. Um, it wasn't amazing. But he come up to me. And I was in my bedroom and I was like, oh my God, here we go, here we go. He's going to ask me something. And he was like, is, Cor is Corbin your boyfriend? And I was like, yeah. <gasps> and like Corbin had been around and and met my parents and stuff. And he was yeah. like, you do realise that me and your mum will always love you no matter what. Oh my God, and then he, I didn't he know left, that. He left my bedroom. Um, yeah, and that's how I come out. And then I was I was going around to... My mum told me a few... My mum wasn't actually as accepting as my dad. Really? Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, um, she was quite disappointed that I'd never experienced having children. Mm. Um, she told me that my nan said there was, you know, she she told me too much, really. She said, oh, your nan said that, you know, there was always something funny about him. And I was like, that's, you know, mm. I didn't need to know that. There's mm -hmm. a few things... Um, and she just put the fear of God into me in mm. in certain aspects of my life. We never really, we've never really spoken about it ever ever since. Um, I I don't have a great relationship with my parents now, mm. which is a shame. But we've never really spoken about it in depth. Mm. Um, that was the only kind of interactions, and we are, we've had small interactions since. Mm. But yeah, that was that was I my think, story coming out yeah and I think that, you know the thing that I hear is that and what I am actually so grateful for and I and I used the word bubble earlier but like I think it's why like sort of safe safe spaces spaces where you feel that you can be completely yourself are so essential like I remember that day of walking into bird and I remember that for so many and I, and I don't think I quite appreciated it at the time but for so many guys that were there that was probably the first time oh, where they could yeah. be completely themselves. Yeah. And if I look at one of the things that I think is so crucial about, um, you know, how we talk to kids about, you know, differences and, and, and being gay and, even, you know, LGBTQ kind of community and, and all of the things that come under that umbrella. Like, if I remember my experience of seeing the, like, freedom and the, like, safety that you felt in that, in that world that we existed in for three years. Like, I'm like, I want that for everyone else, yeah. you know? And I imagine, and I can put myself and empathize with how difficult it must be for those who can't have that. Yeah. Because, you know, like you're, and, and, and you know, you said your, your, your school were great and that is amazing. And I think, you know, what about the kids that are growing up in, you know, very difficult households where their parents aren't accepting, you know, yeah. you and I both had an experience of someone close to us whose parents were horrifically unaccepting. And, you know, we, I just, yeah, I just remember thinking at the time, like, how can you not love your child for I being know. the person that they are? But, you know, like, we, you know, we, we've definitely come a long way. And I think that, 
you know, you and I have had long conversations about, I remember when we watched It's a Sin and both of us like streaming and crying and yeah. ringing each other and just being like, wow, that was a really powerful thing to have seen on TV and to have that many kind of openly gay relationships portrayed in a mainstream program. Yeah, it was um, Heartstopper, another one. You know, these these things are so important because if you think back to like, your childhood self, like like you said, there wasn't that sense of it being normalized, no. talked about, accepted. And even the fact that people sort of have to come out as such, you yeah, know, that, yeah. that, that that's a something that they, you know, the buildup and the, the stress and the worry that you went through just leading up to that point of being able yeah. to say like, I've got a boyfriend. Like, I just think that's something that, when I think about the safe bubble that Bird created, like I can see how, that should be the norm and that should be what we want for everyone else. We'll be back after this. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Welcome back to Give Me Strength. One of my things that I wanted to speak to you about kind of beyond that was I guess some of the difficult challenges that you face as a result of that. And I know there was like a specific incident that you experienced um, when we were at college, that was like a horrific homophobic attack, basically. Um, and as much as I don't want to get super deep, and I'm, I appreciate no, no, the, that fine. you've already been like, uh, it makes me sad seeing you sad. But no, but I do I, think that like you know talking about these things is important, and I know that you're comfortable talking about it because I've obviously yeah. asked you before. Yeah, but yeah. like that moment was a real um, in our relationship anyway. It was a real line in the sand for me of like me being so protective of you and feeling so protective of you. Not that I feel like I need to be all the time, like yeah, you can yeah. fight your own battles, I know that, but really recognizing that there are very prejudiced people in this world yeah. and I will do my best to be the best ally I can be to you know the LGBT community, not just from that reason, but, but from lots of things that we experienced. But I wondered if you could talk to me about what happened and kind of explain that and and I guess from your perspective how that changed how you are now as you know it, I know that it knocked your confidence for such a long time yeah I, I, I still feel really uncomfortable now um not uncomfortable I still feel really conscious of like who I'm around but I would I'd say I felt throughout my childhood you know like people sh shouting things luckily I had a, a sister that was older than me and um she was a uh, quite the, you know, she was, I'd say she was the top dog at the school. <laughs> so I felt protected. Yeah. <laughs> she wouldn't stand for Go anyone. On Amy. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, Amy did really fight my battles. Um, and she was great. And I actually had a really good friend called Sade. And she'd also really fight my battles. I was friends with, I always made friends with like the cool girls for a reason. Um, because all the boys would fancy them. And then I felt protected. Yeah. Um, so I've always felt that, you know, like, people would shout, shout things at me and I would, I would kind of ignore it. But I feel the first time I ever really felt a homophobic attack is when I stuck up for 
our friend Alex, we mm. were traveling back from London on quite a busy, busy train. And I'd say it was quite late at night. Um, we just got off the train, we were walking down the platform and this guy shouted something at Alex and was like a homophobic slur. Attack. Yeah. And so I went over to him and I confronted him and I said, how dare you talk to my friend like that? Mm. And then before I know it, his head went back and smashed me in the face, broke my nose. And I just remember, I, did, I had no idea what was going on. It was so quick, but I just remember running after him. <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to do. But I just remember running after this guy and, and shouting at him. And I, I wanted to tear his face off. Mm. And there was blood everywhere. Anyway, we called the police and um, w w we gave a statement and nothing else was really done with it. It's really hard to try and track someone down mm. for doing that. Mm. And we're talking like 12 years ago when CCTV wasn't, you know. Yeah, what it was, yeah, what it is, it is sorry, now. now. Yeah, yeah, I just, I mean, like, so I, my memory of that is, I remember you being like, uh, I think you have this, like, this thing in you that you're, and, and I, this is why I, I spoke about that, like you are very protective of your friends. You're very protective of me, very protective of people that are very close to you. And I, and I love that about you. And I think that that's instance with Alex, like it's so, and it's so hard, like, because these slurs happen all the time. I've, I've been all walking the down the street. I mean, we had it recently, yeah. literally like what, two weeks ago, we yeah. were somewhere and a very obvious homophobic slur was, was directed at you. And it's like, what do you do? Like I, at that point, I'm guessing like it was mildly alcohol fueled, but you had the confidence to stand up and yeah. say something. But like also at the same time, I think it's understanding that these things happen all the, all time. the time. Are you going to like put yourself in harm's way every time that happens and, you know, potentially have a, you know, another broken nose or, or, or worse, you know, like, and I think that I remember that, that at that point that was like, you know, not that I wasn't before, but that I really recognize how important it is to be, you know, a true ally in that sense. And, yeah. and to recognize that that's, some, that's your lived experience every day. And that, you know, for, for me to understand that was really important. I think also from that, I have like this churn of anger inside me because yeah. I've constantly got that prejudiced against me mm. and so when it does come out it really does bring up a lot of trauma yeah that's the thing because like you're the least angry person I've ever met but I know that there have been moments where like you are triggered into like feeling this like rage and like I, I've seen it in you and I and I think of course like it comes from that like deeply embedded trauma of yeah. all of the, all of the collective experiences that have kind of built up over the years to the point that where you are now where you're like you know like you can brush it off but should you be doing that not no, really I find it so frustrating i'm 31 years old yeah and i'm still having mm. to like fight my sexuality and it's yeah, like yeah. you know i was it was way more forgiving when i was younger i was young yeah, you yeah. know and people do get bullied mm. no matter what no matter what mm. whether it's your race your sexuality you know unfortunately people are bullied and you can kind of almost forgive it when you're younger because well you're, you're just not aware no, you're yeah you're uneducated yeah you're, you're not aware and you know you kind of just brush it off it's part of being at school which we shouldn't but it's way more forgiving but now I'm 31 years old mm. and I'm like and it's still happening mm. yeah I could have a family and children mm. and I'm still having to fight and and back my sexuality which is so sad yeah I want to move on to talk about the industry, because I know that like, you know, and I, I said earlier about one of my favorite things about you is that you're such a grafter. And I think that a lot of people that um, know you, know you as like the amazing performer that you are. Um, 
you are now in a place where you're probably positioning yourself more as like a model and and, an actor and performer. Um, But obviously, you know, your background is very much as a professional dancer. Um, For those of you that haven't seen the stories of Lewis dancing, he's amazing. Um, But talk to you about your experience of the industry, because I know that like, you know, my experience is very brief. I was in, out and and on to the next thing. But but you've really lived and breathed it for the last 10 years. So how have you found it? And um, I guess, you know, for any performers or people that are in that world that are listening, you know, what what is your what are your take homes, I guess, of what's kept you going and kept you grafting away? Well, it started off, I went on a, I went on a cruise ship. I had to go on a ship. I had no cash to support me. And you know what it's like when you finish uni, you, you don't have any funds. You're just like, what the hell? And I think everyone strived for a job. Mm. I think it was, you were in that bubble of like, I need to get a job. I need to say that I've got a job yeah. to prove your worth. Mm. Um, so I went straight on a ship and, you know, I ticked that box. I traveled the world and I was with some amazing people who I'm still friends with now. And we created a really good like friendship between us. And it was really fun. I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I've ticked a box. I've actually, I've trained for three years and now I'm performing. Like, There's so much of that as well that like, it, I, there's almost so many people that I speak to now who are like, oh, my, my daughter wants to go into musical theater, but is it true that she'll never work? And she'll, you know, I remember always being like, I remember someone saying to me like, you know, your most consistent job will be being a waitress or something. Cause like, you'll yeah. never actually yeah. have consistent work. And it's like, there's so much negative that you hear yeah. about the industry. And so like, I totally hear you when you're like, I just wanted to get a job to show that I had done something because yeah. there are so many people that are like, well, you're never going to work, you know, like, and I'm even in our college, like, there was so much of oh, like, God. do you know how hard it is? Like, yeah, our teachers, most of you aren't going to work. <laughs> our teachers plummeted it into our brains that we weren't going to work. <laughs> What's the word? Our teachers fed, <laughs> plummeted. What's the word? <laughs> What's the word? <laughs> they plugged it into plugged. us. I think that's what you were going for. Yeah. They plugged it they in. Plummeted, plummeted it. <laughs> they plugged it into us that we weren't going to work. Yeah. After we're like, out of all the colleges, a lot of people graduated and were like, yeah. so confident. Mm. But one thing I'd say our college didn't do was build us up just yeah. before we was about to leave. Yeah, yeah. And so we went to auditions thinking, oh God, we're not that great. You know, we're not going to work. So it was like so important to like get that audition, get to the final mm-hmm. and like be like, oh my God, fucking got a job. Mm. Um yeah, that was my first job and I couldn't believe it. And you kind of get a like, it's like a bug. It's like a, a drug. Mm. Wouldn't you say? It's like that, that adrenaline. I think, like- yeah, there's uh, even now to this day, there's nothing that I experience that is a better high than um, being on, finishing a show and, and like being on stage and like having the audience clap you. Like that, yeah. that, it's like, it's like no other feeling basically. It's such, such a high. Those few. Yeah. Like when you open and that yeah. feeling of you coming and as a like, company <gasps> and, and then you perform and you're like, I nailed it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then the third show, you're like, oh God, I did that wrong. <laughs> and you have one where you fell over and you yeah. run out and you forget your words, but you know, yeah. we move. We Happens move. to the best. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I think I think one of the things that I really respect about you is that you you're such a chameleon in the industry. And I think that's one thing that I say is is so important is like being open to doing so many different things and trying different things. And um, just as well, one of the things that I really recognize with you that I love is that you 
um, are willing to give anything a go. Like yeah. you're willing to try stuff, you know, like even with the tap thing, I remember that like that you've had so many jobs come up where you know tap's not your strongest, it's not mine either, but you're like, yeah, it's a tap first round, but I'm just gonna go for it. Yeah. Like what's the worst that can happen? I get cut, fine, yeah. on to the next one. But I do think that there's something to be said for faking it till you make it. And 100%. I use that quote all the time. And I think you and I both embody that to the to the nth degree. Oh my God, yeah, absolutely fake it. <laughs> that you just fake it until you make it. Like how do they know that you're yeah. not an expert tapper and you're just having an off day? Like yeah, who yeah. knows? I still do it now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I've had to adapt and and I never had a great voice, did I? Still don't, unfortunately. I still try. But you pack a punch with character. Yeah, yeah. You're a character guy. Yeah. And so I've had to be so versatile. I've had to like push yeah. myself. I haven't ever had my parents to fall back on. No. Like I know that I need to go out there. I need to push. I need to keep going. Yeah. I need to pay the bills. And so it's made me so resilient. And it's made me like, I constantly think like, what else can I do? Like, can I pick up a different skill? Can I yeah. do this? Because I've, I still do love it. And I would you know, love to book that dream show. Mm. But yeah, you just have to become so resilient. And I feel like that's where we connected because yeah. we was just so, we used to fight so hard. Yeah, yeah. And resilience is a really good word. Like being able to take the kick, the fullbacks, because yeah. I think the number one thing in that industry and like, even I feel it a bit now sometimes, like I'm at a point in my career where like you do get lots of no's and like, especially if you're trying to pursue something that's yeah. a bit different to what you've been doing before, like you have to learn to deal with rejection and that rejection is the hor most horrible thing to experience, right? Nobody likes it. But it is one of the, you know, the byproducts of, I guess, trying to be successful at something is that like, you're not gonna, like, most people aren't gonna get their first time around. So, yeah. you know, and we've got friends who've grown for the last 10 years and only just now seeing the fruits of their labor in terms 100%. of like making it to the point where they really feel that they've got the roles that they that they trained for so I do think yeah resilience is a big one I want to move us on to talk about friendship yeah. we're here on Valentine's Day happy Valentine's happy Valentine's babes oh. um and I think I well first of all oh, without me getting emotional but I think I feel that friendship is one of those things in life where like definitely from my experience and I've like gushed about this online before, but like you come across certain people who, you know, are friends and lovely friends. And I, and I definitely remember growing up, like I had friends, but I think when I met you, I realized like really what true friendship was about. And I realized, oh my God, we're both going to cry. How emotional. Ah! Um, I think I realized that like friendship is so much deeper when it's with someone that is like so genuine. And like, I think about our friendship and I think about, you know, what we've been through together and that's led us to where we are now. And I think, you know, and I said this, on, I put, I think I put this on my stories the other day that like, I wish everyone could experience a friendship like ours because I'm not saying that, you know, every friendship needs to be exactly as ours is, but I think that there's such a level of like deep, love and trust and connection and support. And I speak to many women who I think sell themselves short when it comes to friendship, that struggle in friendships where they are, and this is only from, you know, conversations that I've had online and sort of with other friends, but like, you know, they have this horrible feeling. And I always use the example of, you know, you see your friends and you leave the room. And as soon as you leave the room, you worry that everyone's talking about yeah. you. And like, we've all been in a friendship like oh, that, right? Yeah. Like yeah. I remember I've been in it. And I think when I met you, and especially as our friendship has grown over the years, like it is such a testament to like what a, what a true friendship to me is about, yeah. you know, understanding that as much as like, 
we can bicker and we oh, do. Oh God, yeah. Not and every, we have to. Not every, not every day is perfect, but we have such a groundedness of like um, love and trust and yeah. support for each other. Yeah. Regardless of like you succeed and I succeed and we both want each other to succeed to like as, as much as we can. And, you know, I've just come back from my hen, which you organized from start to finish and like blew me away with. And I think that that was a real moment for me just to be like, and you know that every single person on that hen said it to me, they were like, Lewis knows you so well. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Like every single person came up to me at one point and was like, oh my God, Lewis knows you so well. I mean, like, you know me better than anyone. And I just think, I guess from your perspective, like, it would, without you making you say a monologue about our friendship as I just did, <laughs> no, no, yeah. it would be good to hear, like, I guess what you see as being the real qualities in our friendship that you think people should treasure and look for in, in theirs. You know, if someone sat there and, you know, maybe they haven't got a romantic partner, but they have amazing friends, like yeah. what are the qualities that make a good friendship to you? I think um, our friendship has definitely developed over the years. Mm. And I, I've, I haven't had the support of my family and I feel like you've almost adopted that role. And like, you've given me such great advice throughout the years. You've been so patient with me. You've, we've learned to really understand each other. Mm. I think that's the biggest part is that we both listen to each other. We both talk, we natter, for, we natter for ages, for we talk, hours. We talk every day, sometimes like up to three times a day. Yeah. Sometimes, because like one thing that I think is really nice, and this, this happened mostly during lockdown, but like both of us don't like being on our own. No. And like we both work from home sometimes and like Lewis and I will literally put our phone up and be on FaceTime. And sometimes we won't even be speaking to it. Like we'll be like working like this, but we'll just be sat there. And like, so bad. I just don't, I don't have, I don't like, it's, it's such a deep, like yeah. understanding that like, we don't even need to say anything to each other to know that, that we're, we're there. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. Another thing we really know about each other. We both know our insecurities. We both know what we're really good at and we both know what we're not really good at. Mm. And we're both good, really good at bigging each other up mm. in the areas that we need it mm. and supporting each other when, you know, we're feeling flat, when we're feeling like, no, you just, just push, just go, just do it, just mm. do it. Just give it your all. And also, yeah, we do argue. Like we have little bickers. We, yeah. have, we have. Hang on a minute. Like we'll stew over something for like two days, or like if we we haven't called each other, I'm like, hmm, wonder what I've said. And then we call each other, and we address it though. Yeah. And we're so good at addressing things. Yeah. I think you have to. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd say we're really good listeners. We both know each other inside out. I think also I can sense when there's something wrong. Like mm. we can actually, uh, well, I personally can mm. feel when something's not right. Mm. And I uh, also, I sit back and watch you. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. oh, did she enjoy that? Mm. I'm not too sure. Mm. Like, you know, you can really f yeah. feel um, someone's- Energy. Energy, yeah. yeah without yeah. being too woo-woo. No, 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 I, I completely agree. I think as well, one of the things that I, as a result of being friends with you, I now really value in all of my friendships is, you know, that nothing feels, and like, I, I don't know how to say this without kind of, but, but nothing feels like a competition. No. And I don't know, like, I, I'm not saying that friendship should be a competition at all. Some elements of friendships might have that and that's okay. But I think that I know that I've personally experienced friendships where it sort of feels like, I'm going here. Oh, well, I'm going here and it's even better. You know, yeah, that kind of yeah, like yeah. that, that sort of vibe. And I think that, you know, 
what I now look for and, and what I value in all of my, my closest friendships is someone that like I really want to champion and who's someone who champions me back 100%. in equal amounts. Yeah. And I think that that is such an important quality in friends, you know, that like nothing feels as though, you know, if you win, I lose. It's like, if you win, I win and yeah. we both win. Yeah. And that's, and that is amazing. And, you know, I, I had a moment yesterday with one of our closest friends who had a win and I literally jumped up from the table and was like crying. Cause I was like, oh my God, like yeah. it feels like I've won yeah. because you've won. Yeah. And I only want friendships like that now. I'm yeah. 30 and I look around me and I think I only want friendships where that person wants me to win as much as I want yeah. them to win. I would say as well, that's a testament to your friendship group. And it was really prevalent when we went away for your hem because we all gotten so well because of the friendships you create mm. and the friend the friends you have around you. Yeah. I would say that they everyone had something in common and we just all got on so well because we all supported each other and everyone went for everything. And I think that's a, such a testament to you as a person. And it's so obvious for from the friends that you have around yeah. you. Yeah. Well thank you. We can't end on a soppy note because oh, no, bloody it's hell. not very us. No. <laughs> so my final question downers. Sorry. Tell me about your funniest memory of our friendship. And you can't tell the naughty ones because maybe. Oh. Or you can, you can if you want. Depends how far you want to go, Lou. <laughs> There's been a few. There's a very specific one that I, that I think might no. be too much to tell. So you can go, you can go a little bit below that, like the tier below. I can't think of the tier below. I'm going to tell that story. <laughs> okay. Oh my God. <laughs> We're going there. We're going there. <laughs> so we lived in a flat together. And um, it was a five bed flat, wasn't it? Above yeah, Betfred. Above Betfred in Sigcup. Which I ended up working in. <laughs> <laughs> Did you actually, after I left? Yeah, I worked at the Marlebone one. Oh, at Marlebone. Sorry, I yeah. thought you meant at the one in Sigcup. No, oh, right. she didn't have a job for me there. <laughs> Grafting again. <laughs> <clears throat> and my my bedroom was at the right at the end. Yeah. And it was like, a, it was a flat. And Alice Alice's bedroom was by the toilet. So the toilet was there. And Alice's bedroom was there. Yeah. My bedroom was there. So I'd come out, yeah. go to the toilet. And often I'd just keep the door open. And and, and, and I'd have my door open and then we'd just be I'd like, I'd stick my Morning. head around and just chat. <laughs> Disgusting, I know. I don't know if to tell this story. I can't believe it's going there. But... Have we got another one? Anyway. Um, <laughs> there was one morning. <laughs> Everyone might want to. <laughs> there was one morning. I was dropping the kids off. And... <laughs> oh, this is gross. But we were young. We were I young. am disgusted, by the way, <laughs> and really gross. And this podcast recording hasn't really like shown the fun side of me. Don't be <laughs> downer of me. Anyway, I wiped my bum and I showed Alice the shit. I was being disgusting. I was like, yeah, look at that. And anyway, she was like, oh, that's disgusting. Stop it. And I love being really crude and rude. <laughs> you gross. are. You are. Yeah. yeah. Probably push it too far sometimes. <laughs> That's what I love. Anyway, I went off and went back to my bedroom. I'd say about half an hour later, yeah. Alice goes to the toilet. You had your door open as well. Yeah. You often yeah. the door if open. If you're going for a wee, yeah, it's yeah. fine. And anyway, we she went, all I hear was, ah, poo. <laughs> and basically what I hadn't realised is that I had flicked a, sh a, nugget, a nugget of shit, of shit <laughs> a on the wall. And I hadn't realised. And... We were absolutely. I can't. Tell I come you. running from my bedroom, yeah. and I was like, <laughs> "No, that wasn't me." And we were crying. It's probably the most laughter. I've ever laughed in my life. Like I, I don't know what. I, like I, 
even now I'm talking about it, it doesn't sound as funny as it was at the time. But at oh, the time... It's because it was so disgusting. It was so disgusting. It was so funny. My one, though, was um, we went out in Sidcup. All that we've got... We've had many funny memories yeah, more recently, yeah. but this is one that I really remember. Um, we went out in... No, we didn't. We went out in Bexley Heath. That's where we were. We, oh, went, to, we went to that oh. Greek restaurant that I dragged you to because I was like, it's supposed to be really nice. So we went to this like restaurant, just Lewis and I, and we ended up doing like vodka shots. Like we were really getting on we it. Hammered. Hammered. We were absolutely hammered. And um, it was like, let's leave. Let's we were like, out. let's leave. Let's go out. And we were like trying to find somewhere that we could go for like a dance afterwards. It's just you and me. I still remember what I was wearing as well. I was wearing these like horrific harem pants and a white crop top. And I thought I looked the do like the dog's bollocks. I really thought I looked cool. So I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to have to, um, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to have to, um, like, we're going to have to find somewhere to go and dance because I've really rated my outfit. We were on our way to like go and find somewhere in Bexley Heath. And I was like, Lou, I need a wee. Like, I really need to go for a wee. And there's nowhere around. And so like we climbed over this like barrier into this pub garden. And just go here, you were like, just go here. just go here, just go here. I'll keep a watch out. And so like I pulled my harem pants down to go for a wee. And when I tell you this landlady came out and she had a broom and she was like, <laughs> get out, get out. Oh my god. And I god. was like midway. Squat. So I was running away. Running away, pulling your knickers. Running away, pulling my knickers up. Oh and she my was chasing god. us with a broom. That was oh my brilliant. god, it was so funny. <laughs> oh god, well I thought we had to end on a high, so we both had to share our favourites. Yeah. Anyway, I have to say this has been so special and I'll always look back on this episode as being just one of my favourites because I love you to pieces and you are family to me and it's just um it's always nice to two things together yeah. a way in which I can work you into my work oh, no. oh, no. <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on and I really I love you to pieces and happy Valentine's everyone Valentine's. have a good one <laughs> so thank you so much for listening to today's episode I'll be back on Friday for my Ask Alice again if you have any questions for that send us an email to the email that's in the show notes if not I'll be back next Wednesday for my next episode and I look forward to speaking in to you then group. Mmm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.